Hi everybody, this is Tom K, the CPA here with episode two of my podcast, uh, the Tom K, the CPA podcast. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, Hopefully you were able to listen to my first podcast. Um, First time going at it, um, I reached out a few friends and tried to get feedback, but uh, open to hearing any type of constructive feedback that you may have because for me I'm just uh, playing around with this right now kind of throwing stuff at the wall seeing what sticks so by all means uh, if you think you like what you hear and you think something should get tweaked or I should add something or if I'm not thinking of something else I'm all ears so again thank you for joining again Uh, for today's episode I want to delve into two topics which and again, my, the purpose of my podcast is not to be a vanilla investing channel. It's more or less to be a little more philosophical. So that's the value that I'm looking to bring to the table and why um, my listeners will want to tune in um, because I will be having original content, which um, I'll try to be a little bit different than what is already out there. So with that being said, let's jump right into it. So for today's uh, topic, I want to delve into Bitcoin and self-directed Roth IRAs. So this particular podcast is going to be a little more technical. Um, I think the average person may, uh, I may lose the average person who may not find real estate investing that interesting, but I'm not going after the average person. I'm going into some um, with someone who has an interest in investing their income. So my podcast is certainly for a niche audience. Um, I'm not looking for someone who wants to know what a 401k is. That's not the intent of this podcast. So if that is what you're looking for, then uh, I'm sorry, but this is not the right area to get that. But anyways, if you are a little more of a sophisticated investor and you've graduated from uh, understanding your 401k and you know how to invest in uh, ratios of stocks versus bonds, allocations, what have you, Uh, and you're looking to diversify into alternative sources of income, such as real estate, for example, and that's typically just the tip of the iceberg, I'm quickly learning as I get more and more real-world experience that the true way to create wealth is by creating a business. So that's part of what I want to talk about today, specifically with uh, tax advantages of using a self-directed Roth IRA to save on your tax liabilities, potentially uh, a, a, a tremendous amount in the future. So if we're getting too technical, I wanna keep it high level. So I'll explain that, and then I'll explain high level Bitcoin. And then for the average person who may not wanna listen anymore, you can tune out. But for someone else who's a bit more savvy and wants to know and go a little deeper um, into the topics, I can certainly go there as well. So in total, I'm going to try to keep this at 15, 20 minutes. So it's going to be between five to 10 minutes for each. So let's see how we do. And again, as always, I'm open to all feedback. So for the self-directed Roth IRA, um, what I'm planning to do is for my previous employer, I had, and I'm going to be fully transparent with my numbers. I know a lot of people aren't very comfortable with sharing personal finance information, but I want to be open with what I'm doing and I want to be able to share with uh, people and hopefully 
you'll be able to learn something. And I want you to reach out to me and ask questions because this is supposed to be a collaborative effort. I'm not doing this just to hear myself speak. I'm doing this because I want to reach out and be able to create a community of people, of like-minded people who are interested in creating wealth. And you know, in my mind, I think creating wealth is helping society because you are creating value. And that's the only way you're able to create wealth is if you create value for other people, which it, unfortunately in today's climate, a lot of that gets lost in translation and gets, uh, unfortunately, a lot of it gets uh, skewed and um, propagandized, uh, whether it, it's in politics or in corporate speak, uh, marketing, what have you. A lot of ways messaging can get skewed, but that's a whole different conversation. Anyways, with the self-directed Roth, um, so when I left my previous employer, I have about $75,000, which I'm looking to roll forward into a self-directed Roth IRA. So upfront, I'll be hit with a, uh, you know, whatever my tax bracket is. Let's just keep it simple and including all fees, I'm gonna have to pay approximately $25,000 in taxes. From there, I'll have $50,000 sitting in this self-directed Roth, which is essentially a trust. Uh, that's the legal structure in which the, um, the entity which establishes the self-directed Roth, that's the uh, vehicle which it's uh, structured under. Once you have the self-directed Roth, what you can do, and again, all of this will be set up by a professional attorney. Uh, you should always take legal advice for anything like this. Um, this is you know, my own podcast. By all means, full disclosure, I am not providing any type of legal advice. With that being said, please consult with your attorney with any type of maneuvers such as this. So with that being said, <clears throat> what you're going to want to do is, uh, once it's in the self-directed Roth, what you can do is uh, you can invest in any type of passive incomes. And, I, and again, I learned this over time with my background as a CPA. And then on top of that, I've actually hired an attorney um, paying $150 retainer fee an hour. And I was just bouncing ideas off of him. And the value that I'm trying to bring here to this podcast is I want to be able to do the hard research and I want to be able to share it to you for free. So I'm providing that type of forum. Let me do the hard work. Let me dig it in deep and be able to articulate in a way that the average person is able to understand, uh, at least do the best of my ability to do so. So um, going a bit further, once you have that 50000 in the self-directed Roth, what you can do is you can create an LLC, which is underneath your trust account. Um, once you have that LLC, let's call that the passive LLC uh, a company that you own. From there, you can create a bank account and move that $50,000 into the bank account. And now you can treat and create any type of business. You can buy real estate under that LLC name and any type of expenses and transactions associated with the business is all business expenses and those $50,000 can be uh, go towards that as well. So that's one way you can tap into your 401k into a self-directed Roth IRA. Uh, there's other matters uh, such as creating a C-Corp uh, with underneath your self-directed Roth. I'm not going to go into it for this podcast. That's a bit more complex. If you are interested in understanding how to do something like that, please reach out to me because typically in a self-directed Roth, you can only invest in what the IRS coins as passive incomes. So you can't necessarily uh, have a for-profit business in a self-directed Roth, but there's maneuvers you can take, which you can, uh, if you structure properly, you will minimize your taxes, but stuff like that, I don't want to go into into this podcast. It's a bit more detailed, so it doesn't really make sense for this type of forum. 
Anyways, so that is the self-directed Roth in, in a nutshell. You have to be able to take that tax hit up front. But the benefit of the self-directed Roth is once the money is in the account, all the profits I make in the future off that rental property, or if I were to uh, own that property for over a year with the intent of renting it out, after a year, I'm legally able to sell it and it will be considered passive income by IRS standards. So with that being said, that is uh, one of many methods to reduce your tax liability. That's a thing that a lot of these real estate investors do not have background on. They are not accountants, they're not CPAs, they're not creative. Even if you have a CPA, he or she may not be creative or not understand or care to understand these type of concepts. Or they may not be investors, so they don't have, they have not experienced it themselves. So that's why it's important you listen to, you pay careful attention to who you're listening to and always evaluate whether who you're listening to is providing you correct advice. So that's the self-directed Roth. I'm gonna switch gears now. I wanna talk about Bitcoin. We're nine minutes into the podcast. I'm gonna try to keep this a little bit shorter, keep it around 15 minutes. So I wanna talk about Bitcoin next. Uh, So for some of you um, who are listening, you may understand what Bitcoin is all about, but I wanna truly explain what Bitcoin is to in layman terms, because I think people get confused by what Bitcoin actually is. Bitcoin, the term Bitcoin is a misnomer. There's no actual physical coin that has anything to do with what Bitcoin is all about. So the phrase itself is confusing to the general public. And I think there are reasons for that. But uh, unfortunately, that, in my opinion, has caused Bitcoin to have some, um, it has delayed acceptance of it because I am very, I believe very much in the technology of Bitcoin. And I'm going to explain why I believe in the power of Bitcoin. So let's, before I get into Bitcoin, we have to understand how money or is transferred in today's financial system. So if I were to transact with a business, I would use typically a credit card. So in that case, what we are handling here is there are numerous intermediaries from that point of sale transaction at that register. That transaction will take place and go from that that business's bank account to a bunch of intermediaries behind the scenes, such as clearinghouses uh, and other type of financial institutions. So with that being said, Bitcoin kind of the protocol or the technology in which Bitcoin is built off of has pretty much automated that whole banking process. So where typically you need multiple financial institutions, thousands and thousands of employees, billions of dollars in processing power is pretty much have been automated by a computer protocol. No one knows who this person is that created Bitcoin, but whatever the case may be, the protocol still works. Exchanges which trade Bitcoin have been hacked, but the protocol itself has not been hacked. So that's Bitcoin in a nutshell and why it's so powerful. Unlike a fiat currency such as the US dollar, there is no central authority which can dictate or control the supply of Bitcoin. Every 10 minutes, the Bitcoin protocol sets how many Bitcoin get issued to miners. Miners are the individuals who uh, perform mathematical calculations to solve a uh, math um, equation, so to speak. It's essentially an encryption um, um, method of protecting and ensuring that when you're sending a payment from one person to another, that that transaction cannot be duplicated or erased in any way. So due to that 
the, the processing power and the computing power required to ensure that that duplication does not take place is what is embedded in this Bitcoin protocol and what is what makes Bitcoin so valuable. So unlike a fiat currency where you have central bankers controlling how and when the coin gets uh, or when the currency gets distributed, here you have a protocol and it's set. So you have well-known uh, aspects of what the, cur- uh, what the worth of your Bitcoin is. Now, being that it's still in its early uh, instances of growth, there will be fluctuations in the price. But in my opinion, Bitcoin's technology is powerful and will disrupt the banking industry over the next 10, 15 years. So do your own research. Don't just take my word for it. Uh, you know, learn from multiple sources. Look on both sides, listen to the pros, listen to the cons, listen to those who are pro-banking and believe in other types of cryptocurrencies, and frame your own opinion. Don't ever take one person's uh, viewpoint and use that as your guiding uh, only source of uh, knowledge. So with that being said, that's my take on Bitcoin. I believe everyone should own at least one Bitcoin. There's only 21 million Bitcoin that could exist in circulation. And over the first few years of Bitcoin, uh, a few million were lost. So in reality, there's about, when it's all said and done, there will probably be 10 to 14 million Bitcoin in circulation. So with that being said, with there being a planet of over 7 billion people, owning one Bitcoin, just one Bitcoin, can be tr- proved to be tremendous value potentially in, not, in the not so distant future. So on that thought, I'm going to wrap it up here. I think this second podcast was very upbeat. Please provide your feedback. I'd love to get more uh, information on my listeners and what you're interested in and be able to speak to it. I'll try to put out some content every two to three days. I'm using the Gary V model. I'm kind of just letting it go. I'm not really using a script. So if you enjoy that, let me know. If you don't, I would like to hear as well. And please have a happy and healthy rest of your day. Thanks.